0: Well, welcome everybody to the first uh, installment, part one of a new series that we're gonna be starting today called Ghost Stories. And I wanna welcome you, if you're on Facebook Live as well, joining us. Uh, It's great to have you tuning in with us. And so we're gonna start this series about the Holy Spirit, who is also sometimes called the Holy Ghost. And so there's where we get the name. And so to get us into this series and talk about why we're doing the series, uh, let me begin this way. Recently, I was having a conversation with somebody who attends Frontline, and this person is a Christian. In fact, they grew up in church. They've been a follower of Jesus for many, many years. They've been a part of Frontline for many, many years. And we were having this conversation because this person was at a crossroads in their life, and they had a big decision that they needed to make. And very frankly, they were agonizing over what to do with that decision and all the potential consequences of if they went this way or if they went this way and what would happen. And I would describe them as being paralyzed. It was like decision paralysis. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And so as we were talking, I asked a question that to me, I thought was a very, very obvious, very basic question for a Christian to ask another Christian. And the question I asked as they were agonizing, I just said, hey, can you tell me What's the Holy Spirit calling you to do? What's the Holy Spirit leading you to do right now in the midst of this moment? Basic, obvious question, I thought. And this person, who I love very dearly, looked at me with this blank expression, was sort of like, what are, what are you talking about? And not only did they not have an answer to the question, they, they were even asking the question. Like I hadn't even entered their mind to even think about or talk about what could the Holy Spirit actually be leading me or calling me to do in this situation. I tell you that because I am convinced that what we are in desperate need of right now in the church today is not more sermons or better sermons or better music or better kids programs. I am convinced that what we are desperately in need of in the church today is an experiential relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's what we need more than we need anything else. It's funny if you go around and you and you explore other churches and uh, evangelical churches anyway. You know we pretty much all agree on who God the Father is. Everybody pretty much got that. Like yeah, we understand who God is. God the Father and, and God expresses Himself in this three Trinity, um, three persons of the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Most of us know who God the Father is. We get it. We agree on that. Most people uh, understand who Jesus is, or at least they understand Jesus is God's Son. And we do a pretty good job talking about the way we begin a relationship with Jesus is we confess our sins and we, we confess him as Lord of our lives. And that's when we receive salvation. That's when we begin to follow Jesus. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, when it comes to Following after the Holy Spirit, we ask the question, and we want to know the, 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 the question. Uh, go ahead, guys, to so that first one there. Why do I need the Holy Spirit? Why do I need the Holy Spirit? I've got Jesus, right? I go to church. I read my Bible sometimes. Why do I need the Holy Spirit? In fact, many of us, the Holy Spirit isn't even something that we think about or that we talk about or that we see at work or, or, or engaging in in any way in the church today. And so I want to just begin with what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit to answer the question why do I need the Holy Spirit? And so I think it's always a good place to begin with Jesus. And so um, we're going to go to John chapter 14. And in, in the gospel of John, John chapter 14 is where Jesus first begins to talk to his disciples about the Holy Spirit. And so if I could set the context for you just for a moment here, what's happened is Jesus has just said to his disciples, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. He's talking about after his resurrection, he says, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to prepare a place for you, and then you, my disciples, you're going to go and do greater things than you've even seen me do. If you and I were one of the disciples in that moment, hearing Jesus say that, I'm going to go away, prepare a place for you, you're going to do even greater things, I think we would be like, no, I'm pretty sure we're not, actually. In fact, Jesus, pretty much you're the reason that we're here, we're following you because you can do greater things and not us. And so it would just be such a baffling, confusing thing. And so Jesus explains how. He says, here's how you're actually gonna do greater things. Verse 15, he says, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Jesus is saying, I'm gonna leave you and go prepare a place for you, but this advocate will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth? The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and does not recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now. Jesus is talking about himself. He lives with you now, and later he will actually be in you. This would be just so baffling and so confusing if you were hearing this for the first time as Jesus' disciples. Now, I want to point out, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit there another advocate says, I'm going away, but there's going to be another advocate. I'm going to pray to the Father, and he's going to come. The word another there in the original Greek language that this was written in uh, means another one the same, As, as opposed to another that's of a different kind or a different sort. The word actually means another that's the same as me. I'm going to give you another advocate, and he's basically the same as me. That's what Jesus says. And then if you can imagine this, the disciples are hearing this, and they're trying to make sense of, of what's about to happen. And what I, the big thing I want you to see with this is Jesus wanted this for us. He wanted this for his disciples. He wanted them to experience what it meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to have this advocate who is the same as himself actually fill our lives. It's what he wants for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're somebody who's trying to, to follow Jesus with your life, it's what God wants for you is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to understand what that means. What's amazing is if you read the book of Acts, the book of Acts is actually what follows the gospel of John in the New Testament. And the book of Acts, exactly what Jesus said was going to happen, happens. In Acts chapter two, on the day of Pentecost, the disciples are gathered together together And they're there in Jerusalem, and there's this big festival happening where there are all these people there. And the Holy Spirit comes and and fills the disciples with the Holy Spirit. And then the whole church gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And then basically from there, the entire book of Acts is basically just a story about the Holy Spirit and his work in the disciples' lives and how he propelled the church forward. That's really true. If you read the book of Acts, the main character in the book of Acts is not Peter or Paul. It's the Holy Spirit. And it's a story about how the Holy Spirit filled the disciples and then just kept taking the gospel forward again and again and again. And so here's the question I think we should ask at this point, how could something Jesus wants for us be so absent today when we look at the church? Something Jesus clearly wanted for his disciples, for us to experience was being filled with the Holy Spirit and the whole entire book of Acts is so about the Holy Spirit, but yet you can sit through most church services and most places today, and you don't ever really hear about the Holy Spirit. Many of us don't even know what that means uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit or to follow after Him. Why is it something like we talk about God, we talk about Jesus all the time, but the Holy Spirit, it's like, yeah, we just don't really talk about that. I've got Jesus. I read the Bible. I'm good. I don't need the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Here's the reason I think, okay, so this is just Brian Bloom's opinion. That's all this is. One of the reasons I think that is, is because our individual experience with the Holy Spirit is so unique and personal to us. Your experience with the Holy Spirit will not look exactly like my experience with the Holy Spirit. God is just that big and he's just that powerful. There's no box we can put him in. And so your experience will be different. Your individual experience will be different than other people's experience. And in fact, I'm really sad to say this, but over the centuries, the church has actually disagreed a lot about the Holy Spirit and disagreed about how the Holy Spirit works in people's lives. And a lot of it, honestly, is that kind of, well, it it didn't, the Holy Spirit's working differently in you than he works in my life. And so there must be something wrong. And so we've kind of tried to judge each other on those kinds of terms. And so a lot of times what's happened in the church today is we've just kind of stopped talking about it. We just don't want to be weird. We don't want it to get weird or, or, uh, you know, offensive to anybody. And here's the thing, your individual experience with the Holy Spirit is your own. What you feel And what you do will be personal to you as you experience the Holy Spirit. But here's what's important. What we think actually drives what we feel and what we do. And so what we have to do, I believe, today is we have to begin by grounding our understanding of the Holy Spirit in Scripture, and that helps to drive what we experience, what we feel, what we do. The goosebumps that we get, you know, those moments where you know God's at work in your life and you... I don't know how else to describe it. It's like the goosebumps feeling. That uh, happens in our lives after we've shaped our understanding of how God begins to work. Does that make sense? Oh, wait. That's okay. Does that make sense? Okay, good. So here's what I want to do. I want to just talk about who the Holy Spirit is. And if you're looking for something to write down, for some of you in the next couple minutes, what I'm about to share, if you've grown up in church, if you've been around this all your life, some of you are going to be like, yeah, I remember this, or I know this. This takes me back to when I was a kid in Sunday school and I was being taught this. For others of you in this room right now, this will be brand new information. You've never heard this. So I just wanna talk for a minute about who is the Holy Spirit. Um, so we're just gonna go through. You might wanna jot these down uh, on your bulletin there where it gives you a space to write notes. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it or a power. We just read that in John 14 a moment ago. The Holy Spirit is not an it It's a person. Why is that important? It's because we can actually have a relationship with the Holy Spirit just like you can with a person of any kind. In fact, I have a friend who, because my friend really wants to remind himself of this truth, that the Holy Spirit is not an it or a power, the Holy Spirit is a person who we actually engage and have a relationship with, Uh, because of that, he actually drops the the whenever he talks about the Holy Spirit. Just like you don't call me the Brian, you know, you just call me Brian like that. That's So he drops the the. And so whenever he, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, it'll strike me. Like I'll, I'll notice it in conversation. He'll just say, well, I think Holy Spirit's leading me to da-da-da. Well, I believe Holy Spirit wants to, and he'll just refer to the Holy Spirit as Holy Spirit. Now I'm not saying you have to do that. I don't do that personally. The Bible uses the word the. But the point is he does this, and every time he says it, it like, like reminds me. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. The Holy Spirit is a person that we have an experiential relationship with. Next one. The Holy Spirit, we need to understand, is God. The Holy Spirit's God. In Acts 5, verses 3 and 4, Peter clearly refers to the Holy Spirit as God. We think of him as the third member of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says he's another advocate, the same as me. He's God, is what what he is. Next. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. This is really important, I think, that we understand this. A lot of times we don't understand this in the church. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is talking to the church there in Ephesus, and he actually says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit actually has a will and emotion and can be grieved. And so the context, how do you grieve the Holy Spirit? If you read the context there in Ephesians 4, Paul is talking about relationships, how we treat one another in the church. In fact, uh, verse 29, the verse right before this one, Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. He's referring to the way that we talk about each other. I'll admit to you, there have been seasons here at Frontline, uh, and I'll just say we're not a perfect church. If you're new here and visiting, you're going to find very quickly, this is not a perfect church, we're not a perfect church. By the way, there is no perfect church, and in fact, if you find a church that is perfect, you're going to have to leave because it's not perfect anymore because you're there. You understand how that works? And so there is no perfect church. We're not a perfect church. There have been times and seasons in Frontline's history where there have been like two people, and they've gotten into a disagreement or an argument with each other and instead of coming to the table and sitting down and resolving what was what's happening between them and instead of forgiving each other and offering forgiveness and offering grace and asking for forgiveness instead what they do is they they begin to gossip and backbite and talk about each other to other people in the church and before long it's not just this person and this person it's this group of people and this group of people and it just keeps going and then a whole bunch of people end up leaving the church and and just feeling broken and, and the gospel, the name of Christ gets a drug through the mud. And there have been moments, I've even been in meetings where I have actually said out loud, I just feel like the Holy Spirit is grieved right now. I just feel like the Holy Spirit is just brokenhearted about what's happening right now in the church. And I've, like almost at a cellular level, I've just felt it in those times. I've, I've known it to the core of my being The Holy Spirit is just grieved when that kind of thing happens between brothers and sisters in Christ and the church. Uh, Next, uh, the Holy Spirit is omnipresent, but he can dwell in us. Psalm 139 actually talks about how uh, the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. So the writer says, where can I go from your spirit? I'll go up to the mountains, you're there. If I go down to the depths, you're there. No matter where I go, your spirit is there. It's this idea that the Holy Spirit is everywhere. He's omnipresent, he's all around us. But in the New Testament, after Jesus, he's talked about as dwelling in us. Romans 8 verse 9 talks about, is a great place that talks about that. Being, filled, being uh, filled with the Holy Spirit is what Jesus wanted for every one of us. So if I could, we're going to jump off from that point, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And go ahead to the next one there. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you are promised a few things in Scripture. You may not have known this, but as a follower of Jesus, if the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, there are a few things that you are promised will happen in your life. First of all, he will guide you in the way you should go. In John 16, Jesus begins to talk about that. He'll guide you in the way you should go. When People ask the question, what's God's will for my life? That's a pretty common question. I hear people ask that question a lot, like, man, if God could just lay it out for me, if I could just know God's will for my life, God's plan for my life. Honestly, that's kind of a silly question. And I'm not saying that you're silly if you've asked that question. I think we've all asked it. But it's, honestly, it's kind of a silly question because the Holy Spirit, when he dwells inside us, he guides us. He leads us into truth. He guides us in the path that we're supposed to go. And if you've experienced that, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you've experienced what that feels like to be led by the Holy Spirit where you're stepping out in faith and you're taking you're making a decision because you feel like the Holy Spirit is leading you to do that, there is nothing more electric and more compelling and, and just fun in our lives when we can experience that kind of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Next, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you are promised that he'll convict you of sin before and after you know Christ. It actually says that in John 16, that even before we know Christ, The Holy Spirit can speak to us and begin to convict us of sin. That's how we know we have a need for God in our lives. And then after we accept Christ and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, he continues to to dwell in us, continues to convict us of sin and show us areas of our lives that we need to surrender over to God. Something that's happened hundreds of times here at Frontline uh, is after a message, somebody will come up to me and they will make this statement. I've heard this hundreds of times. They'll say, you were talking to me this morning. One person uh, say, have you been following me around all week? And whenever somebody says that to me, I have the exact same response. In fact, if you've come up and you've said that to me, man, you were talking to me this morning, my, my immediate response that I say to every single person is, that's the Holy Spirit. You need to listen to that. That's the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing, I don't know anything about your life. I, I don't know, I haven't been following you around all week. I can only learn so much from Facebook about all you guys. I don't know what you've been doing. If you've ever had that experience, even if you've not surrendered your life to Jesus yet, if you've ever had that experience where you're sitting there and you're listening to the word of God uh, being open to you and suddenly there's a sense of, oh man, that's about me. That's about my life. That's the Holy Spirit. And what he's doing is gently convicting you and showing you this is an area you need to pay attention to. This is an area where God wants to work, where God wants to intersect in your life and begin to bring healing, begin to bring something new. And that's what he does for us. Next one, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you are promised that there is a manifestation of the Spirit that will appear in your life. First Corinthians 12 talks about this, that in the body of Christ, each of us are given a gift of the Spirit, a manifestation of the Spirit in our lives. And it's for the common good. It's for building up the church. That's what it's for. Um, now, here's where the churches a lot of times argued with each other, is that the manifestation of the gifts are different. And so you, you, the manifestation of the Spirit in your life might look different than it does in someone else's life. And we don't need to point at each other and say, well, you don't do what I do and you don't you know, experience what I've experienced, therefore you're not as much as me. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to recognize that God gives the Spirit to different people in different ways for the building up of the church. But that's what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have some sort of gift of the Spirit manifestation in your life. We'll talk more about that in, in future messages. Next one, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you are promised the fruit of the Spirit in your life. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul begins to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And these are attributes, they're character traits. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control. I'm missing one. But, uh, but you know what they are. If you go read them, you can, you can read them for yourself. In Galatians 5, those attributes, those, what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit in your life, the Spirit bearing fruit in your life, those are actually the attributes of Christ. That's where those attributes come from. They were what we saw in Jesus. They're, they're His attributes. And so when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, what happens is the power of the Holy Spirit actually works in your heart and your life to help you become more like Jesus, And to develop those attributes of Christ in your life more and more and more to a greater degree, that's what he does. And so, is that the last one? I believe that was the last one, right? And so, these are what God promises in our life. Now, here's why I took the time to go through this and tell you all of these things. Uh, The reason is is because I had an experience several years ago. I was actually setting up um, my office here at Frontline, And so I got my desk put into a new office that we had moved my office to another place. And so I'm setting up my desk, and I got one of these things. You know these, right? You've set up your desk, even at home, maybe with one of these, a power strip. Uh, It's a surge protector or whatever it is. And so you get this power strip. And so what I was doing is I began to plug everything from my desk into this thing. So I plugged my computer in. I plugged my printer in. I remember I had like a lamp on my desk. I plugged it in. I had some speakers and a sub. I plugged those into this um, power strip. And then I got ready and I, I stood up and I pushed the button on my computer and my computer wouldn't turn on. And so for the next several minutes, I spent trying to figure out what was wrong with my computer. I assumed something's wrong with it. I can't figure out why it won't turn on. And then suddenly I noticed like the lamp won't turn on either and the printer isn't on. And so I immediately assumed, well, there must be something really wrong like electrically here with the building. And so what I did is after messing with this for all this time, I call up uh, the guy who was at then our tech director here at Frontline. His name is Kevin. I said, Kevin, I need you to come down to my office, man. Something electrical is going on in my office. I can't make anything work on my desk. So Kevin comes down to my office, and it took him all of about three seconds to diagnose what the problem was. As I was plugging all these plugs into this power strip, I had also done This. There is a reason I am not the tech director of Frontline Church. <laughs> I had plugged this power strip right back into itself, and I didn't even notice I'd done it with all these other plugs that were going in it. And so, Kevin, there was this moment after calling me an idiot, which he totally should have done, there was this moment where he unplugs the power strip from itself and plugs it into the wall, and like magic, everything on my desk springs to life. Like, wow, look at that! It all works. And this is, I tell you that story because for many of us, this is exactly how we are living our Christian life, or it's exactly how we're trying to live our Christian life. What happens is we come to God, we we know Jesus, and we surrender our lives, and then we just begin to try to live from our own power. We plug ourselves back into ourselves instead of plugging into the power source of the Holy Spirit, and then we wonder why am I not seeing the Holy Spirit working in my life? Why is God not showing up? And so we strive and we struggle in our own power and our own strength, trying to be good, trying to be moral, trying to do what we think Jesus would do. And we struggle and we mess and we back step, you know, a bit. And then we'll like two steps forward, three steps back, and we struggle and we fall back again and again and again. And it's exhausting. Aren't you tired of being exhausted? And what's needed is an experiential relationship with the Holy Spirit. We need to plug into the power source of God. Instead of living our lives like this, just plugging into ourselves, trying to draw from our own power, trying to experience healing and life and obedience to God on our own strength. Listen, this right here, this is why we are so educated in the church far beyond our level of obedience. We are educated far beyond our level of obedience in the church. It's because we know all these things about God. We've stuffed all these things in our head about God, but we don't know the Holy Spirit. And we're not tapping into his power to live our lives on a daily basis. Of course it's not working. Of course it isn't. It's not how we were called to live. So because of that, uh, if you want to write down this statement, I would just say if you do not, without the Holy Spirit, you do not have everything you need to follow Jesus. You just don't. You were never intended to try to follow Jesus on your own power and your own strength. That's not what Jesus wanted for you. He said, look, I'm going to go away. You're going to do even greater things, not by your own power, but because you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's the same advocate as me, another advocate the same as me. Without the Holy Spirit, you simply do not have everything you need to follow Jesus, and that's why it's such a struggle. But when you plug into that power source, I'm telling you, and the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life, all kinds of stuff begins to break loose and break free. It's where freedom in the Holy Spirit comes from. It's where God really begins to move and work and change your life. So, we've talked about why we need the Holy Spirit. We've talked about who the Holy Spirit is. So I want to just shift gears for a moment and talk about, so how do we receive the Holy Spirit? In that passage we just began with in John 14, Jesus says, the world can't receive the Holy Spirit. The world can't even recognize the Holy Spirit, it can't even understand how he works. But Jesus says, but you know him because you've known me. And he says, you can receive the Holy Spirit. So how do we receive the Holy Spirit? How does that happen? Again, I want to start with Jesus. I think that's a pretty safe place to begin. And so I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 3. This is how it happened for Jesus. It's early on in Jesus' ministry. It says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Now stop there for a second. Earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, we've already been told that John's baptism, John the Baptist is out baptizing people in the Jordan River. His baptism is a baptism of repentance. What does that mean? Repentance means I'm walking this direction, and I stop, and I turn around, and I walk the other direction. That's exactly what repentance means. So John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. People were going a direction, they were stopping, they were turning back to God, and they were beginning to pursue God. And so it was a way for them to go public that that's what they were doing, and that that's the decision they'd made. It says, but John, uh, so Jesus comes to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? Can you imagine being John and and you see Jesus coming up and Jesus is like, I need to be baptized by you. If you were John, you'd be like, no, I'm pretty sure you don't actually. I'm pretty sure you should be the one baptizing me. That's how that should work. So what's happening here is Jesus, we believe Jesus was without sin, okay? So Jesus didn't need to be baptized because he was repenting from some sin, but Jesus was doing this out of obedience, He was was getting baptized as a way of going public and out of obedience to God. This is what God has called us to do. Jesus was entering into the same human experience that all of us have. And so he was identifying with baptism. But Jesus said, It should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. That's That's what he's saying there. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water... The heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. What's interesting about this passage is this is one of the only passages in the Bible where you see all three members of the Trinity all in one scene. You have the Father, the voice from heaven, This is my dearly loved Son. You have Jesus, the Son. And then you have the Holy Spirit descending like a dove in this moment. And what I want to point out to you here in this moment is there's a pattern. Jesus, there, Jesus got baptized out of a, a baptism of repentance and then the Holy Spirit descended on him. If you go from there, go to the, uh, Acts chapter 2. As the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and began to move, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Peter begins to preach to the crowd that we had mentioned that were there in Jerusalem. And he begins to preach. And in verse 38 of Acts 2, Peter says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then, then, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The reason I share this with you is hello? Ooh. That was the ghost story part of ghosts. Um, uh, the, the reason I share this with you is I see a pattern here. And, and the pattern is you repent of your sin, you surrender your life to Jesus. You get baptized, which is your way of going public with your faith in Jesus, going public with that commitment you've made. And then, what do you do? You ask God to give you the Holy Spirit. And here's the beautiful thing about it. When you ask God to give you the Holy Spirit, you're asking him for something that he's actually promised to give you, and he'll do it. See, there's a difference. A lot of the prayers we, we pray, a lot of the things we ask God for, he's not promised to give us, right? Right? God, would just give me a hedge of protection right now? It's traveling mercies That'd be so great, God. I don't even know what that means. I pray to hedge of protection. God never promised to give us those things, right? God, if you just give me a parking space at the mall here, I'm driving along, this parking space that open up, that'd be great, Lord. God's never promised to give you a parking space at the mall. It might happen, it might not. He hasn't promised that. He's not on the line for that. But God actually has promised to give you the Holy Spirit. He's promised That if you surrendered your life to him and you've gotten baptized, that you ask for it and you're asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you're asking for something he's actually promised. And I'm telling you, he will do it. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit. He'll do that in your life. Now, don't get all hung up. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, we we go, well, is that the exact order you know, there are examples in scripture of where God did things out of order. In fact, Acts chapter 10, there's a story where Peter is talking to a group of Gentiles and they surrender their lives to Jesus and then immediately they get filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of funny. Peter's like, uh, we need some baptism. Where's the tank? Let's get these guys baptized right now. It's kind of funny. Like he's, he moves them immediately. Like you skipped a step here. And so the point is not you know the exact order. God can do anything. He's God. He can move outside of that order. The point is there's a pattern in scripture of obedience to God. Some of you are hoping for God's power in your life without surrendering fully to him. It ain't gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. When we repent, when we surrender to Jesus, when we get baptized, when you ask to God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, you plug into the power source of the Holy Spirit and he'll do it. So with that being said, I'm just gonna bring this up again. We mentioned it earlier in the service. Our next baptism service is Sunday, September 9th. There's some of you who haven't taken that step yet to go public with your faith in Jesus. And so we would love to celebrate that with you. We would love for you to mark that day on your calendar and plan on just say, I know I need the power of God working in my life. I haven't gone public with my faith yet in Jesus. Out of obedience, I'm gonna do that and be here. You can let us know online the way David told you earlier or you can just show up that day and do it. The point is to do it. The point is to follow through. So I want to invite you to take that step and to do that. Now, um, there are some of you in this room, if I could talk to you for a moment, uh, who you grew up in church and you're listening to this sermon. And frankly, this whole time you've just been like, yep, checkbox, check box, checkbox. Check box. I've done all that. I know all this. I've heard it in Sunday school as a kid. I've accepted Christ. I've repented of my sin. I've been baptized I, and I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Done. Check. Here, here's what I want to challenge you with. The Holy Spirit is a person, like we said earlier, not an it or a power. We have a relationship with him. So I want to challenge you. Are you actually growing in your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Because my observation is in the church, for the most part, he's kind of forgotten about. We don't hear about him much. We're not seeking to be led by him. So if you've checkboxed all those things, my question to you is, what's your relationship right like with the Holy Spirit? This month, the month of August, uh, August 22nd, in fact, is Carrie, my wife Carrie, and my 20 year anniversary. We've been married for 20 years. Thank you. Uh, I deserve very little credit for that, but thank you for the applause. That's very nice of you. Uh, So I've never really told the story, although all four of our boys know this story, I've never told the story of how Carrie and I actually got together. So, I'm going to tell you the story. Here's exactly how we got together. Carrie and I were in a band in college together. And we actually were friends. We knew each other and we were friends. But Carrie was absolutely not into me. I mean, at all. She had no interest in me romantically at all. And so, I'm telling you the truth this is what happened. One night, the Holy Spirit spoke to Carrie in a dream. And my my wife is a person who's filled with the Holy Spirit. If you ask me whether or not I think that God still speaks to people by his Holy Spirit in dreams, my answer is yes, I do believe that. God spoke to Carrie in a dream by his Holy Spirit. And when she woke up, she knew I was the person she was going to marry. And she was in love with me from that moment on. Now, the Holy Spirit had not spoken this to me yet. I had no idea. I had no clue. But yet... It came, here we are 20 years later. It came to be. So all you pathetic single dudes out there, there is hope for you. Take, take it from me. I, I was so pathetic. God had to give my wife a dream in order to fall in love with me. If he did it for me, he can do it for you, right? He was like, ah, let's, let's help him out. He's just not getting the job done. Let's... Uh, all four of my boys know that story. I've said to, my, to our boys multiple times, you guys need to really be thankful for the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, you guys wouldn't exist. <laughs> there would be no, your, your lives would not have come to be. But this is what God did. Now imagine, so from that moment, God uh, gives Carrie this dream. She falls in love or, or believes you know, what God's spoken to her. August 22nd, 1998, we stood in front of people and we went public with our marriage vows. Just like you do in baptism, we went public with our commitment to one another in front of our friends and family, and then here we are 20 years later. But can you imagine after that day when we went public with our commitment to one another in marriage, can you imagine if I just decided I'm gonna be done pursuing Carrie? Man, thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, uh, for you know, giving her that dream. That's awesome that you did that for me. Thanks, uh, you know, we, we did the, the step where we got in front of people and we went public with our marriage, but done now. Can you imagine if I just didn't pursue her from that point on? Can you imagine what our relationship would be like? Can you imagine what would happen to our marriage and the decay that would happen? And so I would encourage you, it's the same with God. It's the same with your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You may have been filled with the Holy Spirit one time in your life. You may have gotten baptized. You may have taken all those steps. But if you're not daily pursuing A relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit, the same thing that would happen to my marriage is the same thing that will happen to your relationship with Him. He loves you, He's committed to you, but you've got to invest in that relationship. You've got to take that step. For my wife and I, we we go on walks every single day. Almost every single day, we are on a walk together. Even in winter, we do this. We go out on walks, and it's just our way of connecting every day and just talking. And uh, I am more in love with Carrie today than I have ever been in my entire life, in our entire married years. But it's not because we haven't gone through hard times or had seasons. We've had to work at our relationship. And now it's to the point where if a day goes by, where if I'm traveling or something and we don't have a chance to even talk on the phone or connect at all, it's weird. Like something feels off to me because I'm captivated by her and and I want to spend time with her. And in the same way, that's what our, our relationship with the Holy Spirit is supposed to be like. If a day goes by where I haven't heard from the Holy Spirit, I haven't sensed His presence, I haven't been guided in some way in my life, something's off, something's weird. So maybe it's prayer walks you need to begin in your life. Maybe it's some kind of, kind of like we did at the beginning of the service, some time every day where you just quiet yourself. But um, I, the question I would love to ask you is this question, what do you do every day to grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit? The band's gonna come back out and I just want us to take a minute and reflect on this. What do you do every single day to grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit? And what I mean by that is ask for his guidance. Every single day, come to him, ask for his guidance in your life. Exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he's placed in your life. And then actually listen to him. Actually quiet yourself and have time where you listen to him and where you let him speak into your life. And I'm telling you, he'll do it. Because you're asking for something God's actually promised. And you're laying hold of that in your life. And when you do, you begin to plug into the power source that God has for you. And unless you have that, you do not have everything you need to follow Jesus. And life is going to be a struggle. mean don't you want that aren't you tired of just struggling and striving in your own power aren't you tired of just being plugged into your own effort your own power source It doesn't work and it doesn't work because that's not how God designed you and called you to live and he wants so much more for you he wants to move in your life he wants to set you free he wants to be your provider in every area What we need today more than we need anything else is more of the Holy Spirit. I I long for the day where even here in our church, we just hear stories of the way the Holy Spirit is moving and working in people's lives, the way the Holy Spirit is guiding you and you're taking steps to trust him and follow him in your life. I, I long to have more of those kind of stories to share in the church. We need it.
1: We need it today.
0: So I want to do this. Would you stand? And I'd love to just carve out a moment uh, just in prayer before we sing here. And maybe uh, where you're at, maybe you haven't taken some of these steps and for you maybe right now is just a moment to say, God, I know I need to surrender fully to you. I've been asking for your power and your help in my life without surrendering myself fully to you. It's not gonna happen. So now even in this moment, I surrender fully to you and I'll be obedient to take that step of baptism and I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. For others of you in this room, maybe it's a simple matter of just saying, I've been plugged into my own power for too long. I know this stuff. I was exposed to it even at a time in my life where I've been aware of the, the information. I'm just not laying hold of it in my own life. I'm not experiencing it. And so Holy Spirit, right now, I just give you access to me. Holy Spirit, right now, we just pray that you would just fill this room, that you would move, that you would begin to blow again a wind of your power in the church. I pray it for frontline, God, but I pray for it for the entire church today. We need a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. We need a fresh wind of your Spirit to blow. We need men and women who are not powered by their own strength, their own abilities, their own uh, effort. We need men and women who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and to take the gospel forward into the world. God, we just, I just pray right now that you would just begin to move in our lives, that you would begin to move in our families, that you would begin to guide us, that you would begin to speak to us, that you would begin to allow us to hear your voice. God, would you give us what we need every day? We can't do it on our own. We long for the greater things that you talk about in scripture, but we haven't yielded ourselves fully to your holy spirit and so holy spirit would you come would you move would you bring power where there needs to be power would you bring healing where there needs to be healing god and we just pray that it wouldn't look just like it did in past generations we need something fresh we need a fresh wind of the holy spirit to blow so would you do that god we're hungry for that we long for that and we know we can't get it without you So we come to you now, Jesus. It's in your powerful name we pray. Everybody said.